2: This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome to our program. Tom Hartman here with you. There's so much going on we're going to get into today. First off, Donald Trump, it looks to me like he may have started World War III. And I say that with no glee whatsoever and considerable concern. Fill up your gas tank. This is extraordinarily dangerous. Iran is the seventh largest supplier of oil in the world they have the eighth largest official army in the world, and then they have paramilitary forces both in Iran and around Iran, in Syria and in Lebanon. You add those together, it may well be that Iran has the fourth or fifth largest military in the world. This is a major country. Iran is several times the size of Iraq geographically, and I believe larger than most European countries in terms of population. And Donald Trump has just gone off the rails here and a i'm of the opinion and you know i don't know maybe i'm wrong on this but it it makes perfect sense to me that donald trump is doing right now what he back in 2011 and 2012 was predicting that barack obama would do on november 14th of 2011 trump tweeted barack obama yeah keep in mind 2011 was the year before 2012 which was the year that Barack Obama was up for re-election. So in November, one year before the election, Trump tweets, Barack Obama will attack Iran in the not too distant future because it'll help him win the election. And then the following year, 2012, now the election year, Obama's up for re-election. He ran against Mitt Romney, as I recall. Here you've got, this is January of 2012, the election year, Trump tweeting, Barack Obama will attack in order to get re-elected. And then on in July, July 3rd, 2012, the day before the 4th of July, again, the election year, Donald Trump tweets, just as I predicted, Barack Obama is preparing a possible attack on Iran right before November. And then in August, the next month, August 16th, 2012, Donald Trump tweets, I always said Barack Obama will attack Iran in some form prior to the election. And then on October 9th, 2012, Donald Trump tweets, now that Obama's poll numbers are in a tailspin, watch for him to launch a strike in Libya or Iran. He is desperate. So clearly this is how this man thinks. He has been telling us this since 2011. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of really bad news for Donald Trump has happened in the last 24 hours, most of which is absolutely not making it up through the noise of, oh my God, what's going to happen in Iran? And it may well be that this attack happened because of these things coming out. For example, the memos between people in the White House and the Office of Management and Budget were leaked yesterday to a website, Just Security, that can absolutely confirm that everybody in OMB or everybody at the senior level, that what Mick Mulvaney said was right. Yes, we withheld aid from Ukraine because we wanted them to investigate Joe Biden. And now it's here in black and white, the the smoking gun or another smoking gun that should lead to his impeachment, number one. Number two, Congressman Ted Lieu and Congresswoman Kathleen Rice of California and New York respectively have opened an investigation into Donald Trump or some of the people around him and his family members openly manipulating futures on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Number three, and this is probably the big one. This is probably the one that Trump really doesn't want us to pay attention to. Mark Sumner uh, summarizes it over at Daily Kos with a headline that just kind of summarizes the whole thing. Explosive report indicates that Donald Trump's loans from Deutsche Bank were backed by Russia. Mark Sumner writes, when Trump first went to Deutsche Bank, he was more than broke. Now, Now, just consider this for a minute. What bank is gonna loan to this guy? he had just finished bankrupting multiple casinos in new jersey and then had convinced investors to back a takeover of those casinos at a fraction of the original value so he went on to a bunch of people and said give me your money i'm going to buy back my own casinos from bankruptcy he gets all this investor money and then trump deliberately allowed the investment group to go bankrupt so he could grab the whole deal himself at a fraction of what his investor had paid for so he ends up with the property and then he goes bankrupt again After he sucks out of it whatever he can suck out, including all his investors' money. Back to Mark Sumner's comments. And along the way, he was socked with a massive fine for money laundering at his now bankrupt, again, casino. I mean, he was totally radioactive. No bank in America would loan him money, and he was broke. And Deutsche Bank loaned him $2 billion. And to this day, nobody knows why. Well, now this explosive report comes out. It's, again, a whistleblower saying that, in fact, Trump's loans from Deutsche Bank were underwritten by a Russian state-owned bank, VTB Bank. And Russian state-owned means that basically, you know, Vladimir Putin loaned him $2 billion. Suddenly, a lot of things start making sense. By the way, Sumner notes, the documents supposedly originated with the son of a former Deutsche Bank official who committed suicide. So you've got all that going on, and this is all a great distraction from that kind of stuff for Donald Trump, plus Eric, December 31st, New Year's Eve, Eric Trump tweets, about to open a big old can of whoop-ass and a flag, right? What's that about? Somebody on Twitter said, oh, it's because the troops are getting on a plane to go to Iraq. Well, yeah, apparently, and there's thousands more on their way. Now, all that said, I think it's really important that we remember why all this is happening. And I'm not talking about anything that has to do with Donald Trump. We can never forget that Dick Cheney and George W. Bush lied us into a war in Iraq. They committed a crime against the American people, and then they committed war crimes against the government and the people of Iraq. Now, back in 1994, when Dick Cheney was a member of Congress, and he had been chief of staff, I believe, uh, to George Herbert Walker Bush, He, he had worked in the White House before that. In fact, he'd worked in the White House going all the way back to Nixon, as I recall. Dick Cheney was asked, now this was after the first Gulf War, right? So he was asked, well, should we have, and this is during the Bill Clinton presidency, by the way, and he was asked, should we have gone all the way to Baghdad? You know, George Bush had his 100-hour war. It was a three-day war, and he didn't go all the way to Baghdad. And so Dick Cheney was asked, well, shouldn't we have taken Baghdad? Listen to this. Listen to this carefully. This is, one of the, this is a very thoughtful analysis, and it's absolutely accurate. This is Dick Cheney in 1994.
1: Do you think that the U.S. or U.N. forces should have moved into Baghdad? No. Why not? Because if we'd gone to Baghdad, we would have been all alone. There wouldn't have been anybody else with us. It would have been a US occupation of Iraq. None of the Arab forces that were willing to fight with us in Kuwait were willing to invade Iraq. Uh, Once you got to Iraq and took it over, and took down Saddam Hussein's government, then what are you gonna put in its place? That's a very volatile part of the world, and and if you take down the central government in Iraq, you can easily end up seeing pieces of Iraq fly off. Uh, Part of it, uh, the Syrians would like to have to the West. Uh, Part of Eastern Iraq, uh, the Iranians would like to claim, fought over for eight years. Uh, In the North, you've got the Kurds, and if the Kurds spin loose and join with the Kurds in Turkey, then you threaten the territorial integrity of Turkey. It's a a quagmire if you go that far and try to take (laughs) over Iraq. The other thing was casualties. Everyone was impressed with the fact that uh, we were able to do our job with as few casualties as we had. But for the 146 Americans killed in action and for their families, it wasn't a cheap war. And the question for the president in terms of whether or not we went on to Baghdad and took additional casualties in an effort to get Saddam Hussein was how many additional dead Americans is Saddam worth? And our judgment was uh, not very many and I think we got it right.
2: So that was Dick Cheney in 1994. And uh, then Dick Cheney goes on to meet the press and just basically, this is now, he has vice president, Dick Cheney is basically lying, saying, oh no, Saddam Hussein actually is in charge of the whole central terror network. If we're successful in Iraq,
1: if we can stand up a good representative government in Iraq that secures the region so that it never, we're successful in Iraq, pursuing uh, weapons of mass destruction so that it's not a safe haven for terrorists. And he continues. Now we will have struck a major blow right at the heart of uh, the, the base, if you will, the geographic base of the terrorists who've had us under assault now for many years, but most especially on 9 11.
2: Yeah, Saddam had 9 11. And he continues. Iraq sits on top of 10% of the world's oil reserves. All right, let's just start that one again. And then find. and he, this was in this 1994 Meet the Press interview. Then he adds.
1: Iraq sits on top of 10% of the world's oil reserves. Very significant reserves, second only to Saudi Arabia.
2: So we were lied into a war in Iraq, essentially to get the oil. Donald Trump is bragging about how he's, having, he's keeping U.S. forces in, in northeastern uh, Syria in the oil fields. The Iraqi oil fields, you know, we've been, quote, protecting, as it were. Iraq, and then Iran is the seventh largest producer of oil in the world. I mean, let's keep all this stuff in perspective, and let's not forget that had Cheney... And Bush not lied us into this war in Iraq, we wouldn't have been in Iraq in the first place. If we weren't in Iraq in the first place, we wouldn't be in a war with Iran right now or on the verge of one. So I just think it's really important that we put these things in historical context and we remember clearly how we got here. One Republican president lied us into a war and now another Republican president is going to use that war to cover up his own crimes, his own sketchy financial history, the reason why he might be reaching out to oligarchs and foreign governments for help in his election, he's going to use that and to stop his own impeachment. I mean, this is what Republican presidents do. Nixon committed treason to become president. Ronald Reagan committed treason to become president, having cutting a deal with Iran to hold the hostages. George W. Bush got in because his daddy's friends on the Supreme Court handed Florida to him, when later we found that Florida actually voted, majority of Floridians voted for Al Gore. And then Donald Trump gets into office with help from Russia among others, apparently the UAE and others, and Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, we literally have not had a legitimate Republican president in the United States elected legitimately since Dwight Eisenhower. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And now all of this illegitimacy is kind of reaching a crescendo and it could lead us into World War III. Dieting stinks and it's hard. Changing your diet alone to keep New Year's resolutions can be a recipe for failure. So let me tell you what you need to help succeed this year. Rigizone. Developed by doctors and backed by two US patents, Rigizone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. OEA helps you feel full faster and burn stored fat while reducing your calorie intake. So adding Rigizone makes it easy to resist those fattening foods that go straight to your hips or waist. After trying Rigizone, dieters and doctors agreed that it's the easiest way to maintain or lose weight. So this year, remember that dieting alone is just too hard. The easy way to keep your resolution and get your weight under control is RidgeZone. Ridgizone is exclusively available at Ridgezone.com. Use the promo code Hartman with two Ns to save up to 65% off your order. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Save up to 65% and get free shipping by using the promo code Hartman at RidgeZone.com. That's RIDUZone.com. Promo code Hartman. Connie in Reno, Nevada. Hey Connie, what's on your mind today?
0: Quick question. Mm -hmm. I've looked all over, and I cannot find the name of the contractor in Iraq who was supposedly killed, which makes me very suspicious Hmm. whether that actually happened or if there was some injuries and they just kind of embellished the story. The other thing is, isn't Eric Trump
2: of the age that he could join the armed forces? Yes. And open a can of whoop ass <laughs> yeah, he could. He might be even a little i uh, no, he, he can't be too old to join. I think you can join all the way up into your forties or fifties probably, but yeah. But speaking of Eric, I saw this I think it was on DU. A sign at the Evangelical Conference where Donald Trump is speaking, which is a huge violation of the tax laws, you know, of a church sponsoring a presidential rally, basically. And there's a giant sign out in front that said something like, you know, keep America great. And then on the lower left-hand side, it said Donald Trump 2020. On the lower right-hand side, it said Eric Trump 2024. I mean, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this, how bad does this get? Connie, thanks a lot yeah. for the call. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Howard, New York City. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind today?
3: I have an idea how to proceed with impeachment and also maximize the opportunity to get Trump out, voted out by the Senate. I would have a new article of impeachment every three weeks, more or less, and keep doing that, get free airtime, get the message to the people until June when the Supreme Court rules on the financial statements and the taxes of uh, Of Trump, like you said, I'm sure that uh, she's been backing his loans. But that could blow him up. If Robert says, Yup, you can get those bank records, I think we have them.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, well, breaking news, Lev Parnas, you know, of the Levin, Igor who the two Ukrainian-born American citizens who were helping Rudy Giuliani negotiate stuff to get that corrupt prosecutor to make a statement and all this stuff for this right-wing TV network. The judge in New York City, the judge in his case said that the documents that he wants to turn over to the U.S. House of Representatives, he may do so. So that could set up a whole nother set of hearings. And if Parnas was called in to testify, it could be explosive and could support the existing impeachment articles or it it could support an entire new one. And they haven't even started on emoluments. You know, I think that they should be holding hearings on that that might be a different committee. I don't know <laughs> whether it would be judiciary or maybe that could even start in like ways and means, you know, or, you know, one of the committees that has to do with appropriating money, for the Appropriations Committee that Mark Pocan is a member of. So there's a lot of ways to do that, Howard. And I am at this point very much just trusting in Nancy Pelosi. She's a brilliant strategist and tactician. And uh, she has been drawing blood. And Trump's tweet storms and writhing around and hysterical rantings are rather frightening evidence of how successful she has been. So we'll watch this play out. But my concern is that Trump is literally trying to start a war with Iran in order to avoid impeachment, as he predicted that Obama would do We're to get listening elected. listening to the Tom Hartman program. And uh, on the line with us is uh, Jamal Abdi. He is the president of the national iranian american council niac niac.org is the website you can tweet him at J abdi jamal welcome back to the program hi tom thank you for joining us again i'm curious your thoughts on what is going on i just tracked this down mr uh... Suleman or Suleimani, the Suleimani. apparently last year when donald trump was rage tweeting at iran he tweeted back he responded saying, uh, it's my duty to respond to your threats. Talk to me, not to the president. It is not in our president's dignity to respond to you. We are near you where you can't even imagine. Come. We are ready. If you begin the war, we will end the war. You know that this war will destroy all that you possess. Your thoughts?
4: Well, earlier this week, actually, the day before yesterday, the Supreme Leader of Iran tweeted at Trump for the first time and tweeted something along the lines of, in response to a Trump threat against Iran, said you can't do anything and you are illogical and some other insult. And a lot of people on Twitter thought, wow, this is you know the closest thing we've seen to direct diplomacy between Trump or any U.S. president and the Supreme Leader of Iran. I can't help but, this sounds crazy, but I can't help but think that by doing that, the Supreme Leader may have helped Trump crossover from a position where he was being somewhat conservative in his willingness to engage in kinetic action against Iran into finally you know, actually greenlighting this strike against Soleimani that compared to some of the past strikes that Trump has abandoned is so disproportionate and so clearly is going to lead to an escalatory cycle that I really can't understand why else Trump would do this
2: now. So you think he got provoked or you think it's a possibility that Trump was provoked by a tweet that is by and large not even being reported on by anybody and struck out because of that, because he felt humiliated or harassed or called out?
4: We know that the people around Trump, like Mike Pompeo, like some of the lobby groups that are close to him, like the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, they view 2020 as their last best chance to get the war with Iran that they have wanted for two decades now, at least, and have been pressuring and pushing and trying to go Trump into taking more and more provocative actions. And Trump has been very provocative on the economic sanctions front. But you'll remember, months ago, came within 10 minutes of bombing Iran and actually pulled back from the brink because he thought, well, you know, this is going to end up killing potentially as many as 50 Iranians, and this is disproportionate. And really, I think he realized this is going to expose the lie of the Trump presidency as an isolationist one or, you know, an anti-war presidency because it's going to drag us into a war what has changed since then that would cause him to take this extraordinary step? And I don't think it's the people around him that have changed. I think it's Trump himself has finally decided to take this reckless action.
2: That's remarkable. We're talking to Jamal Abdi, the president of the National Iranian American Council, NIAC.org is the website. It looks to me uh, this is my kind of back of the matchbook analysis, that a new set of alliances are emerging and solidifying right before us has been going on for a year or two and that if we were to see a polar world like we saw with world war ii with allies and axis basically you know two groups of allied countries going after each other that it might be on one side iran syria russia and china and perhaps some of the other more shia associated countries in that region and then on the other side, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Israel, the United States, and perhaps much of Europe fighting it out to the death. I mean, that, that's a World War III scenario based on a World War I kind of assumption that, in fact, I tweeted last night at 8 o'clock when this first happened, I tweeted, Trump just assassinated Archduke Ferdinand. This is not going to end well. What do you think of all that?
4: It's, it's where this has been heading for a while. Now, where the analogy breaks down is at least for now that the Europeans are not with Trump on his Iran strategy and this latest action was not coordinated with the Europeans they just got phone calls today from Mike Pompeo that this right. had happened right. uh, great great uh, is
2: freaked out yeah
4: yeah and then on the other hand you know the, the Russians and the Chinese unlike the United States they talk to everybody in the region so mm. they're not bound to one side or the other whereas the U.S., we are completely boxed in. We can only deal with the Saudis and the Israelis and the UAE, whereas Putin is talking to Turkey and Iran and Syria and Saudi Arabia and Israel. So I don't know if it's going to fall on such clean lines. Really what this looks like is the U.S. isolated from its traditional partners, all in with Israel and the Saudis, and then you know some of the U.S.'s Supposed foes in Russia and China, and then smaller states like Iran, having much stronger relationships with who would constitute the coalition
2: of the willing if this right. actually
4: became even with Europe.
2: Exchange. You know that's actually a very hopeful thing. <laughs> you know? I mean, terrible thing for the United States to be basically cut out of everything, but that's the direction Trump has been taking us ever since he he was sworn into office. But that at least is not a world war scenario. That's more of a United States. Uh, gets isolated and, and cut off from everybody and and you know the market crashes and you know we go to hell in a handbasket scenario kind of thing the resolve of the europeans has
4: clearly been tested and while rhetorically they have been against what the u.s. has been doing there hasn't been a lot of bite to their bark and so a lot of people expected you know iran is supposed to take its next step to put pressure on the United States for abandoning the nuclear deal, Iran is planning to take its next step to breach some of its commitments on the nuclear program January 6th. And we don't know what those steps were going to be, but as a result, the Europeans were supposedly going to trigger a dispute mechanism within the Iran deal. and potentially begin holding Iran accountable in the same way the United States was. So there is a chance that Europe is beginning to not just hedge, but surrender to the United States and Trump. I don't know if this now changes that. and actually changes European calculations because the threat of war is now very imminent, and taking such actions could actually force the Europeans' hand to be aligned with the United States on any such action.
2: Well, and and, and in Hungary, you've got Fidesz and and Orban doing a nationalist chest-thumping thing. And and much of that is happening in Poland as well, trying to pull them in a more authoritarian direction and away from multilateralism. And then you've got in Turkey, you've got Erdogan, who's all over the map, in addition to calling up Trump one day and saying, get your damn troops out of Syria. And Trump says, sir, yes, sir, tweets it before he's even discussed it with the joint chiefs. It seems like all the old rules are gone. There's a massive shift happening. And and, you know
4: this is potentially the sort of world historic event in a chain of events, the election of these nationalist leaders culminating in Donald Trump becoming the leader of the United States, and now these shifting alliances. And, you know, the one parallel that I think is pretty easy to make is to that of 1914 and how that did really establish these lines and create this new world order. So I think we, as many have said, we are in uncharted territory, and
2: this could be what sets off a set of really bad events to come. We're talking with Jamal Abdi, the president, of the national iranian american council what should americans be doing right now in your opinion i mean i've I've been saying you know call congress 202-225-3121 and tell them that the president just acted outside of the powers he has with the aumf you know the 9 11 uh, authorization for military force and to stop all this right now do you have suggestions beyond that
4: you know congress Caved. Democrats in Congress caved. And there was legislation that was actually included in the defense bill, thanks to Ro Khanna and Chris Murphy and Tim Kaine and Matt Gates, a Republican from Florida, that would have stated clearly Trump does not have the authorization for war with Iran and would have really put a legal check against this action that was just taken. And the Democrats ended up allowing that to be stripped out of the final bill that was sent to the president. So I think This is now a wake-up call. This is almost an I-told-you-so moment where we need to see them step up. They are potentially the last institutional check we have against this president taking us into this war. If Congress doesn't get the message, you know, I mean, people need to turn out and go out into the streets and make their voices heard because we're now in this window where Iran hasn't retaliated yet. And it right. needs to be made very clear. This is Trump's doing. Trump started this. He, he abandoned the deal. He assassinated Soleimani. This was preventable. And this is not a situation where it's a justifiable retribution. Once Iran retaliates, the... Politics will change around this, and if we don't have leaders who come out now saying this was wrong and we need to de-escalate, we're not going to have them after the retaliation and the drums of war start beating and overshadowing all the other conversations. So right. we just need pressure on all of those leaders and 2020 candidates to come out now unequivocally against this
2: action and against escalation towards Iran. Right, because the retaliation will be viewed the same way. You know, essentially, I suppose 9/11. It may. It may be dramatically less than that or possibly more but it will be the thing that will galvanize americans against iran right right and we
4: now have an opportunity to expose who is to blame for this before it happens and hopefully it doesn't happen and i think that really falls to the international community um right Uh, But, you know, the the other thing people can do is, I think it's more
2: imperative than ever. Donald Trump has to be defeated. There's no other option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Jamal Abdi, the president of the National Iranian American Council, NIAC, NIAC.org is the website. Jamal, thanks so much for dropping by today. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Tom. People are always asking me, Tom, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say it is? And my answer is always, you bet. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great that chair feels. So take my advice. Get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to X chairs 30 day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, just try it for yourself. Once you feel the X-Chair's patented Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support, their DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X-Chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, the X-Basic or the X1 through the X4. X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. This year, make a resolution to upgrade the look of your office and take your comfort and productivity to new heights with an X-Chair. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. X Chair is on sale now for 100 bucks off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1 844 4xchair. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code XWHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X Wheels with your chair. That's xchairtom.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, the co chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Kind of the head progressive guy, or one of the two, along with Pramila Jayapal in the House of Representatives and represents the great state of Wisconsin. And his website, POCAN.House.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark POCAN, P O C A. And Congressman, welcome back. Uh, thank you,
5: Tom, and uh, Happy New Year to you and all your listeners.
2: To get started with the news of the day, if I can just read you, uh, take about three minutes here and quickly read you a couple of things and let you riff yep. on this. Number one, this is an article that came out of Forensic News. Donald Trump's loans from Deutsche Bank were underwritten by a Russian state-owned bank, VTB Bank. Uh, there was also VTB Bank was also the proposed lender on the never-completed Trump Tower Moscow project. He was seriously broke when that happened. He had been through several bankruptcies, number one. Number two, Congressman Ted Lieu, along with Kathleen Rice, another colleague of yours, just opened an investigation into Trump manipulating futures in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, having himself or family members or friends place massive bets on the S&P just before he made statements that would cause the stock market to go up or down. This is all like in the last... 12 hours. Number three, unredacted emails show OMB officials knowingly engaged in a conspiracy to hide an illegal action by Trump, specifically that he was going to hold up the aid from Ukraine. And then I've got this set of tweets This is from November 14th, 2011. That's a year before the 2012 election. Exactly one year before, you know, before the election. Trump tweeted, Barack Obama will attack Iran in the not-too-distant future because it'll help him win the election. And then on January 17th of 2012, you know, roughly this week, or next week, of the election year 2012, Trump tweeted, Barack Obama will attack Iran in order to get reelected. On July 3rd of 2012, he said, "Just as I predicted, Barack Obama is preparing a possible attack on Iran right before November. And then on August 16th of 2012, he tweeted, "I always said Barack Obama will attack Iran in some form prior to the election. And then four weeks before the election, October 9th, 2012, Trump tweeted, now that Obama's poll numbers are in a tailspin, watch for him to launch a strike on Iran. He is desperate. And then two days ago, Eric Trump tweeted, about to open up a big old can of whoop ass. Hashtag don't mess with the best. Hashtag USA, USA he has deleted that tweet now that people are going really you know you told your son about this so anyhow there's a lot there i'd love to hear your thoughts on all this congressman
5: yeah that is a lot um let me take uh, a bunch of the early parts the things you said and just you know this is part of why people don't trust donald trump uh why we want to see his taxes for what you just mentioned the things around the loans that he's had the activities he's done to enrich himself and his friends are part of why we have problems around the emoluments clause. So all of that is, again, part of reasons why people distrust Donald Trump. But I think not just the news of the day, but the news, unfortunately, we're going to be living through for quite a while now, is what happened uh, last night uh, in Iran. And the fact that this president, because we don't trust him, we're really not sure of the actions and why he did things. But what we do know is he did not consult with the gang of eight the leaders of congress before he did this this is a huge action you take out the essentially number two person in a country like iran and iran is not some small little country people really need to understand how powerful they can be when you do this this is consequential and you know that going into it and what those consequences mean not just for the united states but for the entire region of the middle east uh, is extremely significant and what will happen in the days and weeks to come could be immense. And uh, I think many of us in Congress have great concerns that, one, we don't want an endless war. We don't want to go into war with Iran. We need to have to diplomacy. But what happened, unfortunately, last night is anything but diplomacy, and now we have to live with the consequences of what's happened and figure out how to do this where more lives aren't lost. And and many of us are very, very concerned that this is a slippery slope to a war with Iran, additional troubles in Yemen, in Israel, in Iraq. There is just a whole lot of potential consequences that we're trying to monitor and just get a, a handle on.
2: And speaking of Iraq, we just learned that one of the guys who was in the car meeting this iranian general was the leader of the shia-based militia in iraq which is the you've got the official iraqi army and then you've got this militia which is semi-official but this guy was considered one of the top five officials in the iraqi government and now the prime minister of iraq just came out an hour or so ago and made the statement that this could be interpreted as a war against iraq not just iran because he not only killed the number three guy in iran but you know he appears to have killed the number five guy in iraq so i mean this yeah. is just this this is uh, uh, i i tweeted last night archduke ferdinand was just assassinated this is not going to end well
5: well and, and that's the very i think analogy to look at tom you know what i'm worried about was any thought put into this ahead of time since most of the professionals of the military establishment that were around at the beginning of the Trump administration were pushed out. And since he's largely surrounded himself by especially Iran hawks, has anyone given him a counter voice as he did any of this? And what are those consequences that we're gonna have because he didn't have that in place?
2: Yeah. Larry in Richmond, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Hocan. This endless war has been going on for 17 years
3: that had no specific intent or purpose. We went into a war under a lie. And yet we still remain there, and we keep having all these different senders that keep adding to fuel this constant, endless war. The people of Iran and the people of Iraq share a common tradition, a common culture. Even their expression of the religion of Islam that they practice is Shia. How do we fit into that formula 9,000 miles away and what are so-called vital interests that we have to protect for a war that we had no legitimate reason for going into? we have to get to the origins as trump says the origins of why this war started and why are we still escalating in this effort right now
5: it all started when we wrongly got involved in iraq and now this many years later with no new authorization from congress about going into war presidents both democrats and republicans have used a fairly loose interpretation of an authorization that we have in place and the question is Where are our interests today in still being there and in still having the activities that are happening? And I I think when you look at how much money we've spent, how many lives we've lost, not just U.S. soldiers, but also uh, people abroad in other countries. It really begs the question of what we're doing and why we have not had a new authorization to go into war. That's one of our big concerns right now, is the president did this without any authorization, and we still think that's violating
2: the Constitution. Marsha, you're on the air.
0: It sounds kind of dumb to wish you all a happy new year at this point, talking about Depending on our allies, when Iran decides to act, nobody can tell me who our allies are. He's made enemies of everybody.
5: We desperately do need to hear from our allies, and we all know who our traditional allies have been, but you're right. I mean, the president, unfortunately, has spent much of his time fighting with our traditional allies and trying to make new friends and people like. Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin and others, which is illogical on many grounds. Yet it's important, where are the allies on this? Because as this continues to unfold, and I think it's going to continue to unfold pretty rapidly, we need to know where those folks are. This was a big action. And if the big action wasn't done in consultation with your allies or leadership in Congress, and apparently only your son, Eric, and Lindsey Graham, I have huge concerns about the logical approach that's been taken and what that will mean for any ally response and ally help. So that's going to be very important to watch what unfolds in the hours
2: and days ahead. Kevin in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you're on the Earth, Congressman Pocan.
1: Russia and China just had a joint naval exercise in the political Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, Kevin, um, I honestly don't know. In fact, that's part of what we need next week when Congress is back on Tuesday. That's when the House is back. We need a classified briefing on what happened. I mean, first of all, our leadership wasn't informed of what happened last night. Certainly members weren't. Well, certain people will start getting some briefings today, people like Adam Schiff and others and some senior staff. We need more information than you get in less than 24 hours. I mean, things keep unfolding. I'm hoping that by the time we have that briefing next week, we have enough information to ask the right questions. And hopefully in the interim, nothing else has happened. But I don't have a good
2: answer for you, Kevin. John, in Portland, Oregon, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Congressman, as someone who serves the country, who participated in the nuclear arms race all throughout the 1900s, do you think it is fair? or? Is it a double standard to ask for countries like North Korea and Iran to denuclearize? Thank you. Well, John, because it's a global effort, I think it makes sense the various treaties we've had in trying to to get other countries to denuclearize. I mean, I wish we would far more significantly denuclearize because we're at a period where I think you're going to see money being spent for new nuclear warheads because many of them are aging out. And this is our opportunity to also denuclearize. But I do think it's rational and reasonable for the world as a community to not want more nuclear weapons. And that means uh, North Korea and that means Iran. I thought we had a good agreement going with Iran. The president foolishly tore that up. And I think that's part of why we're in the troubles that we are in today, very literally today. But I think it is reasonable for the world community not to want nuclear weapons.
2: Isn't this an example of how terrible it is when policy gets politicized, you know, Obama cut that deal, Republicans started yelling about it because it was just Obama on Fox News, which cranked up Trump, and then he did this stupid thing when he became president?
5: Well, you know, and the worst part is I actually don't know why I did it one day, but I watched Fox and Friends in the morning. And uh, watching how they just appeal to the president is so ridiculous, and they just want to justify whatever he believes. And that's the problem, is they will repeat those same talking points as truth, even though any logical person knows better.
2: Barbara in Fayetteville, Arkansas, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan
5: our allies now after listening to democracy now this morning are saudi arabia israel and the eau and all of them will benefit from what we've done and also one of people on her panel said that right now trump has united all of the different groups in iran because of what he has done Mm -hmm.
2: good point there
5: are so many questions we have but we want to know if the president got any information before he did this Because you're right. And Iran is a very, again, it is a stronger country than I think many people assume. This is not a simple effort that was undertaken, and depending on what they may choose to do via retaliation, could be putting us into another war. And that is the real concern, I think, that those of us in Congress have to have. We are supposed to, according to the Constitution, authorize anything. And uh, we need to know how much information the president had going in, who he consulted with, and why, especially, he didn't consult with uh,
2: our legislative leadership, both Democratic or Republican. Camille, in San Clemente, California, here on the Earth, Congressman Pocan.
0: We had the project for the new American century that was saying, in short of a new Pearl Harbor, we would have to create something that would give us a reason to go into Iraq, and now it's maybe Iran. So what's up with the project for the new American century with Dick Cheney and... Bush and all those other guys, what's the happening with that?
5: Yeah, I, I don't know enough what's currently happening with that. I can tell you, though, um, and we did get caught by some music earlier, Tom, when someone asked this question, but, you know, why are we in Iraq? Why are we in the Middle East? In so many instances, it has been because of oil. And even with what we recently did in Syria, as we supposedly removed troops from Syria, we still had them protecting oil. Uh, At some point, and I don't want to have people say that we're trying to change the subject, but the reality is there's a reason why so many people are for the Green New Deal and why we need to address climate change and why we need to be smarter and wiser about fossil fuels because this puts us not just at risk for the environment and for the future of the planet, but for things like this. Every time we're involved in a country that we don't necessarily have to be involved in and it costs Americans' lives but it's related to something potentially, like oil, uh, is wrong. And uh, I, I just wanted to make sure I got that part in because I think it's it, also earlier with the music came on, Tom, and I know that came up in yeah. the
2: call. Here is Dick Cheney on Meet the Press about a month before we invaded Iraq.
1: Iraq sits on top of 10% of the world's oil reserves. Very significant reserves, second only to Saudi Arabia. So, there you go.
5: We really, have to redo the AUMF that goes all the way back to 9-11, that is far too loose and far too easy for any president, Democrat or Republican, to avoid Congress and their constitutional responsibility when it comes to this area. Tom, I remember when on the Appropriations Committee that I serve on a few years back when Paul Ryan was Speaker, almost every member of the committee, Democrat and Republican, voted to get a new AUMF except for, I believe, Kate Granger. I think she might have been the only person I heard vote no on it. When it went to the full House of Representatives, Paul Ryan unilaterally took that out and didn't allow Congress to vote on that.
1: Wow. We had
5: an opportunity with bipartisan support out of the Appropriation Committee, one of the most powerful committees in Congress. We had the move to do that. And Paul Ryan and one of his great actions as speaker unilaterally check that out and think how different things could be if we had did our job then
2: right and for people who, who don't realize what we're talking about the AUMF is the authorization to use military force sorry thank and you it's, and it's yeah. where congress kind of proactively says you're the president the constitution says only congress can declare war but if you've got to do something that looks like a war we're going to let you do it under these circumstances yeah, yeah
5: and because after 9 11 that was given Albeit a bit loosely, in my opinion, and left going on for way too long without having
2: new language. Right, and 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 it specifically says you know that it has to have something to do with nine eleven, and I don't know what Iran had to do with nine eleven, but anyhow, Christoph in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, you are on the air with Congressman Pokin Hi, thank you.
3: I was just wondering if, uh, unfortunately, we do go to war with Iran, who would. Our potential enemies be and how could this affect our country or
2: allies and are we at risk of invading another country or being invaded ourselves and let's add that iran has the eighth largest army in the world and that doesn't include the quds force and the unofficial parts of their paramilitaries
5: Again, I think people don't understand the military might of a country like Iran. And so the caller's questions, I mean, those are all questions that we have that I don't think are super easy to on a different foreign soil, on Iraq's homeland. And there's other consequences because of that. And then what happens to other allies of ours, potentially, Americans abroad? anything that could happen to the mainland. We don't know what the consequences are yet, because as I understand it, the Iranian council has decided they're going to have three days a morning and then decide or or act at that point. And we just don't have the answers. I think you can imagine, though, what the consequences could be, especially when you take out someone that high level. I hope that the president and the military actually had those conversations. And this wasn't Donald Trump like he uses his Twitter account without any forethought or ideas or caring about facts, because unfortunately that's the fears many of us have. Yeah.
2: Mike in Medina, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
3: I think we've all seen this, especially within the last 24 hours, what a complete threat to the free world uh, Donald Trump is. Okay, with that said, can I ask, why the house did a complete rollover on the defense authorization bill a couple of weeks ago and you know as one who i in 2018 i gave a lot of time and money to democratic candidates and uh, i'll be honest i feel completely betrayed by that action
5: i think if i can i'm going to take it to a thirty thousand foot and i'm going to try to answer your question at the same time you know one of my great concerns and i was one of the original eight democrats that voted against it when the house passed it when it had some better provisions but one of the reasons why Barbara Lee and myself and the squad uh... Earl Blumenauer and Adriano Espelot voted against it was because in the last three years there has been a twenty percent increase in defense spending at a time of uh, the number we had then was 733 billion now I think it was 738 billion with the final bill that was passed with the House and Senate but there are plenty of reasons why we shouldn't be spending that. Unfortunately, before I got to Congress, they passed the sequester uh, law, which essentially tied defense spending to non-defense spending, which was one of the problems. So if you wanted increases for things that might benefit people here in the United States, that was tied to increases for defense spending. And secondly, let's face it, the defense industrial complex has a footprint in every single congressional district in the country with lots of jobs tied to it. And unfortunately, because of that, they have a large say. So that's why so few of us voted against it originally. That's why when it got worse coming back from the Senate, why more people voted against it, but not enough, because almost every Republican voted for it, as well as many Democrats. And I think the broader discussion that we need to have going forward in 2021, Tom, is that sequester law is over. We no longer have to worry about funds for education health care and other things being tied to increases for defense and we need to break that and actually have fiscal responsibility when it comes to defense
2: spending thank you joy in north fork valley colorado you're on the air with congressman pocan
0: Is this latest act of unprovoked violent aggression Without authorization or consideration, could that be the way to maybe propose and enforce the 25th Amendment to get rid of this rogue president?
5: Joy, my guess is from watching some of the tweets from Republican senators specifically this morning, the answer would be no. Already many people are justifying the action, saying that Soleimani was someone who has uh, killed many Americans and others through his calls, and somehow they're justifying anything, again, this president does. Is all right. I fear that again. I want to know the thought process that went into this. What consultations happened? So much more, and they're just automatically jumping to uh, support. So I doubt that this will do anything to trigger the Twenty
2: Fifth Amendment. Jim in Atwater, California. You're on the earth with Congressman Pocan. This
3: man must be removed
2: from office. And
3: are there any Republican senators? with integrity. I'm addressing this, Tom, to your 7 million listeners. Call senators. Do they not have integrity? Every Republican congressman has shown they have none, that they don't care. He
5: must be removed. Whenever there is an issue, especially as weighty it is important as potential war people need to reach out to their elected officials democrat and republican even if you think someone agrees with you it is important to have your voice heard because often people on the other side will also call and have their voice heard you can't just assume anything it's important but if you think someone is going to always disagree with you you should still call them because this is where we have the power especially going into now an election year people do maybe listen to their constituents a little more hopefully And we need to make sure that we are as active participants in our democracy as we can. So on this issue and any issue, always reach out to your elected official. And it really does matter. Just so people know, I get a weekly report of every call and email that comes in. I have accounts on every issue. And I don't think I am unique. I think that is the standard practice in Congress. So it does get seen by the member of Congress, maybe not every word, but we do keep track of the volume of calls and it's really important you do
2: those calls. Susan in Ithaca, New York, listening on WRFI, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
0: I just wanted to inquire with you as to whether or not you understand, do you have any knowledge as how they could do this type of attack in the context of knowing that there's 16,000 people in the embassy and many other Americans, troops and that kind of thing, how do they how do they fathom it? I mean, not to mention just the repercussions from this gentleman being killed and then all the other presidents that have turned it down considering the damage and risks that are taken outside of that. Do we know that there truly was imminent threat?
5: Those are the very questions that we as Congress and, and as the American people need to have answered. And it's not just at the embassy in Iraq. I mean, think about the entire region. Any Americans that are abroad in many countries are at risk because of this action potentially what factors were looked at when this decision was made and what was the imminent threat to the united states that this decision had to be made so all great questions that hopefully in the coming days we will have better answers
2: congressman thanks so much for being with us this week thank you tom as always appreciate it i used to think new year new me but You know, it's really more like new year, new wrinkles. With Every passing year, we all look older. But now it's all changed thanks to this magic in a bottle, a Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum. It's like turning back the clock instead of ringing in another new year. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. Simply apply this powerful serum to problem areas and within 10 minutes, voila, a new younger you. And the best part, no surgery or Botox involved. It's all natural. I'm blown away by the results, and you will be too. Start 2020 with confidence knowing Plexiderm gives you smoother, younger-looking skin in minutes. And it goes on clear, so nobody even knows you're using it. Leave your under-eye bags and wrinkles in the past with Plexiderm. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code Hartman. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TriPlexiderm.com today and use my code HARTMAN at checkout. That's TriPlexiderm.com, code HARTMAN. Susan in Chiefland, Florida. Hey, Susan. You have an astrological analysis of Donald Trump.
0: Yes, and I appreciate having a tiny bit of air time because this is never, ever heard in a time when everybody is doing all kinds of sex acts and and violence on TV, but astrology is the great taboo. (laughs) And it's because we see the cycles of time. Things are not linear, and that's why I called. There was an eclipse which also involved a collection of planets in the conservative sign of Capricorn. This took place on January 15th, 1991, which was precisely when the first attacks against Iraq began. 29 years later is known as the Saturn Cycle. Saturn is a planet linked directly with karma. So Saturn is back where it was in January of uh, 1991. And there's another eclipse coming up this week, which is in a weak part of Trump's chart, by the way. It's on January 10th. And these planets in Capricorn, I had to turn back what's called the ephemeris, which is the tables of time, Uh referencing the planetary positions, all the way back to like the 1450s to find the last time that Saturn and Pluto met in the conservative sign of Capricorn. That's when they were burning women as witches. The previous time I found the two together in Capricorn was in the 12. 20s or 30s in the Crusades. And don't forget, when Bush launched the second attacks against Iraq, he used the phrase, it came out subliminally, another Crusade. Yep, I remember. So I don't know if these people really look at it that way, but notice how Modi in India is very anti-Islam. Uh, this anti-Islamic energy is happening throughout Europe, the United States. It's almost like a mindset of the Crusades. And then you add in, why are there so many conservative maniacs at the heads of so many places? Brazil Brazil with Bolsonaro, and you've got, you know, the maniac de Tuarte in the Philippines, many, many, including Trump. It's because these energies in Capricorn are so conservative. And in mythology, Capricorn is linked to the uh, concept of Kronos. And Kronos is the god that doesn't um, give the torch of time to the children. He devours his own children, which is a symbolism of these sort of powerful, mostly white men who refuse to see a future for the children, which is why they don't care about climate change and why Greta Thunberg and others are saying, you know, how dare you? Luckily the tide of time is always turning, but I'm really worried about the next 20 days because Saturn meets Pluto in Capricorn first time in like 500 years. The peak is going to be January 12 to 15. The eclipse is January 10. A lot of this is, is repeating the cycle of 1991. And I want to add also that Yogananda, who was a very important guru from India, gave a talk at the United Nations in 1949 when people were willing to listen to a spiritual perspective after the wounds of World War II. And he said that so long as there is... Um, organized forms of human violence, meaning war and aggression, nature would respond so that you would have more earthquakes and tornadoes. So I believe in climate change totally. And of course, there's pollution and there's oil and fossil fuel contributing factors. But it doesn't change the fact that there's also higher energies that impact this dissolution of the weather cycles, which is how Yogananda put it. So the escalation of violence at a time when the world leaders should be focusing on climate change, and that's the real security threat all this nonsense about national security when they provoke war the real threat is take care of the environment
2: yeah look at australia right now susan we're out of time but yes uh, fascinating thank you very much and 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 your analysis of of history wow that was incredible welcome back tom arvin here with you frank in chicago it says you want to disagree with me what's up I just want to say, Tom,
3: me and myself, I'm going to stay on this fence with this Donald Trump thing. Because I'm afraid, and I want you to know I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm afraid that we are letting our dislike of this guy and he's been functioning kinda of like blind us to certain facts and reality. So Tom I'm asking you, how would you answer someone who said, Hey look, because how much you dislike this guy and disapprove of him, the bottom line is these airstrikes were retaliation to one of our convoys being ambushed by a Iran backed militia and our citizens were slaughtered. This takedown of this top guy and their military, you know what I'm saying? Is retaliation because he forced the people to attack our embassy. Tom, what I'm trying to say is this right here. If that was one of our relatives, Okay, and people saying that what Trump started when he pulled out Iran deal. Wait a minute. You mean because I back out of a deal you got the right to attack me or my family members? No. How would you answer them, Tom? Because the bottom line is I honestly think Trump did the right thing. They would not do nothing like this to Russia or to China, but they would pick on us. I do not want another president in there that's going to light a candle for every night these people don't start
2: treating us right. right. How would you answer that, Tom? George W. Bush lied us into Iraq. Once we got into Iraq, we had to deal with Shia militia, irregular Shia militia. In fact, what was his name? Tad el-Sadr, the the guy who uh, had Sadr City or whatever, you know, that that large uh, Shia part of Baghdad. He had his own militia. And then there was the guys coming over from Iran, the Quds Force people who were being led by this guy who was just assassinated. If we invaded Iraq on a lie and we were in this country that as it kind of put itself back together, was aligning itself with Iran. The first business to open in Baghdad was the Bank of Iran. Iraq is a majority Shia country, but it was controlled by a Sunni minority with Saddam Hussein with an iron fist. But now it's a largely Shia country, and Iran is largely Shia. So there we are, based on a lie, in a country where we're not wanted, killing people regularly and torturing them. By the way, remember Abu Ghraib and everything else. Yes. Who don't want us there we have not been fighting a war all these years. We have been occupying a country. We fought a war for the first three months. That's how long it took to take down Saddam Hussein's government. When the war was over, right. it, began, it became an occupation. So we're occupying a foreign country. And that country has an alliance with a country next door. And the country next door decides to help out that country that's being occupied fight against us. The guy who was assassinated was like the number three guy in the government. The basic rule of war has always been, and I think it's crazy, but it's always been, you don't take out the leadership. I mean, we had opportunities to take out Hitler during World War II and chose not to do it. You don't take out the leadership. George W. Bush and Barack Obama both had opportunities to assassinate Soleimani, this this guy. They said, no, not going to do it. When you break the rules of war, which is what Trump just did, all bets are off anything can happen it's like this thin veneer that we call civilization is coming unraveled andrew in twinsburg ohio along with all the other awful bad reasons that trump made this
3: attack yesterday maybe he's buying off bolton silence so this would be an a. Uh... Bolton's Christmas wish list.
2: Oh, Perhaps so he, so he's like, he's like, okay, Bolton, you wanted hmm. to attack Iraq, I'll attack Iraq. Now you don't testify at my impeachment hearing.
3: Yeah, exactly, and also if we start investigating and we find that Bolton is the main source because we got a kiss, the fascinating guy, that'd be pretty clear evidence.
2: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Rich, thanks a lot for the call. Democracy depends on you. Tag your end and tell your friends about progressive media.